0: Hello. Welcome to This Week's Economy. I'm Dr. Vance Ginn. I hope you're having a prosperous day. Well, today is June 15, 2023. It's going to come out on Friday morning as it does every week with This Week's Economy. And thank you for listening. I hope you'll also go and rate this, uh, hopefully a five-star, like it, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe because that really helps me out a lot. And I really appreciate it as that goes through all the Google searches and everything else and inside so really gets more attention. Don't forget my website, VanceGinn.com, and my Substack stack, VanceGinn.substack.com, where you can get this directly in your email every time it comes out. Well, you know, this week on the Let People Prosper Show, which comes out every Tuesday, I had on Les Ford uh, from the American Enterprise Institute, where we talked about safety net reforms, how some work, some don't, and how there needs to be a better approach to having self-sufficiency, long-term self-sufficiency. And It was just a great discussion. I hope you'll go back and watch that one or listen to it wherever you get your podcast. Also, this coming Tuesday, I'll have on Patrick Gleason from Americans for Tax Reform, where we're going to talk about the state tax revolution, the flat tax revolution, a little bit about the responsible state budget revolution that we hope is forthcoming. Um, and then the school you know, choice revolution. We really had a great discussion. So be sure to check that one out on Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday. So without further ado, what's happening in the economy? What do you need to know and everything else? There were a couple of big things happening on the national front that I first want to start off with, which talks about inflation. I mean, we've seen this so much over the last couple of years um, that we hadn't seen in a generation. Um, it's starting to come down now, what we call disinflation. So it's not going down. It's not declining where we'd call deflation, but there is less inflation than it was before, a slower growth rate than what it was. So about this time last year, it was running hot around 8%. Now it's about half of that. At around 4%. And so you're seeing it's still pretty hot, though. You know, the Federal Reserve, our central bank, they would like for that rate to be an average of about 2% inflation rate. And now it's still running at 4%. So that's about double what they'd like for it to be. And and you know, looking at the BLS report right now, when you look at food, food is up year over year, 6.7%, food at home, 5.8%. So that's where we're we're buying all these at the grocery store I'd be like, why is our prices keep going up? And if you food away from home is up 8.3% year over year, they're still running pretty hot at 0.5% just month over. Over month. I mean, these are the sort of price pressures that we're seeing that will be longer lasting in our budgets as a family um, or as individuals, really. So through May, this is all through May of 2023, we're still seeing some pretty hot inflationary pressure. Energy prices are down 11.7% year over year, gasoline down about 20%. One thing I'd mention is that, you know, just because these prices are down or slower growth rate than they were last year, remember, this is like compounding. Whenever you had 8% growth last year, now you're 4% above where we were then. And, and way Wages have not kept up, uh, weekly earnings have not kept up. And so, also, also in this report, you know, when you think about a 4% growth rate there of, of inflation over the last year for CPI, or if you exclude food and energy, just the core was up 5.3%, right? Just the core. So, that's the underlying inflationary pressures that are there. You're still seeing that average weekly earnings continue to decline or remain flat for 26 straight months. Essentially, since the Biden administration passed the American Rescue Plan Act, we've seen inflation soar as the Federal Reserve has monetized a lot of that debt, even some of the debt that had increased before that, that was issued by the Treasury, right? And Congress's overspending that we talked a lot about on these episodes. And so that's something that we've got to get control over is this excess spending that's happening. The debt deal didn't really, unfortunately didn't do much to that, but you know, shelter is still up 8% year over year. So that is, that is subsiding, that's slowing down. So that's something we're gonna watch. And some people talk about well, look, this is a lagging indicator as rental prices and, and home prices are going down in much of the country. And I think they'll continue to go down. There is some price pressures there as well, but I think they will come down some, but I think at the same time, you know, if this is a lagging indicator, it also lagged the huge increase up for housing. Housing was going, running at a lot faster than what the CPI was showing for about a year. Now, maybe it's 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 too fast. Right. And so home prices are coming down or slower than the eight percent for shelter. But I think we've got to look at both sides to note that it was growing too fast before. Now it may be growing um or too slow before, is what the CPI was showing compared to actual. Now it's the flip. And so I think that's something else we need to be taking into consideration when we're thinking about inflation. So a lot of inflationary pressure is still out there. And the Federal Reserve met um this week and they said, look, we're gonna pause. We're gonna pause our interest rate hikes, which they've done for 10 consecutive meetings, which a little about 16 months, about the you know last year and a half almost, they've been raising interest rates from zero to zero point two five percent. This is their target federal funds rate, their overnight lending rate between banks. To now it's at five to five point two five percent. And they said, you know what, here in June, we're just gonna pause. We're going to see where the markets are going, how the economy does, what happens to inflation, get some more readings out of the data, and then and then go from there. Um, there was indication that they would raise interest rates again or look at raising rates again in July. I think July 23rd and 24th is their next meeting. And so that's going to be something else for us to watch. They're anticipating from the Fed's expectations is that interest rates will be, that federal funds rate will be 6% by the end of the year. So that shows to me maybe three quarter point base increases over the next um, throughout the rest of this year, so we may, still may have some 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 ways to go up. The market went down quite a bit last um, when, whenever they announced all of this. It's back some today on Thursday when I'm recording this. That's something we want to continue to watch because this will influence um, our mortgage rates, it will influence the car loan rates, it will influence investment for employers. There's a lot of things that are go into this, this federal funds rate and how it influences a lot of the other the markets. And, and that brings my big point here that I talked a lot about, but the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve has got to come down faster. Yes, it is down about 6% year over year. And yes, the M2 money supply is down about 5% year over year. And those are the greatest amounts basically since the great depression uh we're seeing these sort of negative gro- um, declining growth rates but the problem is is that we also had record increases during covid and, and so forth of the you know the, the 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 balance sheet of the fed um more than doubled from 4 trillion to 9 trillion we're about down to 8.6 trillion now so we're still way above that so we have a level shift level shock and so yes the growth rate is declining but we're still way above and all of that increase in the money supply and the put money in the economy are distorting these treasury securities other interest rates that are out there based on the price of credit and then that influences the real economy as well whether or not people want to invest you know long term projects versus short term projects all this stuff kind of in the austrian business cycle um which I, I think is it tells the story pretty well is that this will influence and have malinvestments throughout the economy and that's part of the boom and then the bust and we're seeing a lot of the bust now. And and so I don't think that this is going to be a soft landing um, and they're not going to be able to steer this very well. So look out for that coming moving forward the other thing I, I wanted to talk about was what's going on in Texas and Louisiana in, in Texas they're still having this fight over property tax relief of you know what could be done the house has their version with compression and we're in a special session right now in Texas um, the governor has basically signed off on that house plan saying look we need to eliminate the school and maintenance and operation property tax which is about 42 percent of the overall property tax burden or collections across the state and I think that's a great approach it's one I've been working on for for many years now, and I'm hopeful that that will happen. The, the House has put up, you know, twelve point three billion dollars of new relief for sixteen point two cent compression, which just means the rate, the 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 sixteen point two cents per hundred dollar valuation is how much that that rate would go down, and so that would be substantial. I think that would provide real relief for folks. Um, it should be more, but the Senate is is doing um, something a little different, right? Ten cent compression, but also a raising the homestead exemption from forty thousand to hundred thousand dollars, also of about twelve point three billion dollars. So it's about the same amount of money, just different approaches and and what the house did was said look our approach was appraisal cap of five percent which i think is a bad idea and then a compression so they dropped the appraisal cap idea and just had the compression the senate you know their bills during a regular session was a homestead exemption increase and then the compression but they're not willing to drop that homestead exemption to come to the table to compromise. And, and, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, if we had both of those and it's $12.3 billion, that's going to be substantial relief. It would not be the largest on record because that would need to be closer to $21 billion to match the purchasing power parity, the, the amount of dollars that you could afford back in 08-09 when it was $14.2 billion of tax relief, property tax relief back then. But it would be substantial. It would be the second most in history and probably more than any other state has done. Even if you added up all the other states' relief, I don't know that it would be the... Much of about you know six billion per year or 12 billion dollars over two years, so it would be huge, but there should be more that's added to that. And I think it should all go to compression. I agree with what the governor's trying to do of this patch elimination. You can only eliminate it through compression, meaning lower those rates down to zero. You can't do it by raising the homestead exemption, and it's just shifting the burden around and creating a longer time horizon for us to actually eliminate those taxes. So I think that we should go with the House plan, put more money into it if possible. I've even come out here recently on Twitter saying, look, Governor Abbott, let's veto the budget. Let's veto this this budget that's massive. If you look at state funds increase, it's it's increase of about 25.8%. If you exclude the property tax relief that was in this budget and the previous budget, Um, even if you don't exclude the property tax relief, it's up 32% in just state funds, 20, 23% if you exclude those, you know, the budget, the property tax relief issues for the total budget, 23.8%. If you don't exclude the property tax relief, it's a 21%. So regardless, we're looking at more than 20% increase in the budget over a two-year period. I mean, this is the type of thing that you'll see in California or DC, not in Texas, not in Texas. And so I think this would be a good time to veto the budget. Let's start over in one of these special sessions, bring that amount down. There's too much corporate welfare. There's too much expansive of safety nets and other things, and I think we could do a lot better than what was in this budget and put more money to property tax relief, which should have been the number one priority to begin with when there was $33 billion in surplus. So right now, they're barely talking about $12 billion. The Louisiana legislature also finished up here recently, and I've been looking through a lot of the budget numbers there with the Pelican Institute, and you know there's a lot of money that they put out to pork to corporate welfare and everything else, just a bad budget in many ways. And if you look at the growth rate there, it's also substantial, much higher than population growth plus inflation, which we had put out with the responsible Louisiana budget. Um, and I think that there's also good uh, reason to not only veto that budget but come up with something else. The governor will unlikely ve- not veto it. He's not a you know more a Republican or more conservative like Greg Governor Greg Abbott. Could actually, do it. Um, he's a Democrat, progressive Democrat, and so he's unlikely to do that. But I think that there should be pressure on Louisiana to make sure that they are reining in government spending or they're not going to get any tax relief that's needed as people are fleeing the state um, because of the high tax, high regulatory system that's going on. There needs to be a comeback, as we're talking a lot about in Louisiana. And that also comes with competition. I have a paper coming out soon on antitrust that says look, the best way to allow for more competition is through the marketplace, not by government intervention. So I'll be sure to talk about that more soon. And the third thing I like to talk about today is um the issue of of capitalism um, there's been a discussion recently by Oren Cass, talking you know, in a tweet saying, rebuilding American capitalism, what needs rebuilding? Um, they have a new book out by American Compass that's really talking about kind of the new right is what they've called it. And and within this new right, they've talked about it's being market fundamentalism is the old right, right? Where the, the new right, I'm calling it the government fundamentalism. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's bigger government. It's having the government wield the forces by having the people at the top. It's a very tough top-down approach. And capitalism is not a top-down approach. It's a bottom-up approach. A top-down approach will fail from the knowledge problem every time, and it will make it to where the government gets bigger and bigger and removes freedom and liberty and prosperity from our lives. And we cannot go down this route. It's unfortunate that some of the new right, the national conservatives, um, national populists, and others are thinking that they can use the government to wield their power, to wield the direction of the economy. And that's just not how markets work. And we've got to get away from this sort of thinking for there to be more prosperity. The let people prosper idea, it comes from you know, the cap free market capitalism is the best path, best path to let people prosper. That's really where we've got to be. And so while I'm 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 glad that we have folks like Orin Cass and others, I think they identify a lot of the key problems well. Like there are issues with wage growth, there are issues um, with maybe some consolidation of businesses in certain areas. But the way to, to the way to solve that is not by more government. In fact, government is the one that's creating a lot of these problems, not the solution to those problems. You can't just double down on bad policies. And so I think this is heading us in the wrong direction. And I'm hopeful that we can get back to some common sense, free market style, like Ronald Reagan had, um, like President Coolidge had. Those are the types of policies that we need that starts with cutting government spending, cutting taxes, cutting regulations, really removing government out of the private sector in our lives. And that would create more opportunity and prosperity for um, long-term self-sufficiency. So, Thank you for joining me today. Please subscribe wherever you get this. And I hope you have a prosperous day. Thank you.